Hello and welcome to the first part of our off-season preview series. Well, technically it could be considered the second part. You may have already seen our Padres off-season preview episode. Uh, but we're going to start off with the rest of the teams um, and get it kicked off here with the NLS, of course. And uh, we're basically going to do exactly what we did in that video, except in a little more time-conscious way, uh, since we're breaking down all 29 other teams. Um, just... What do the teams need? How do they feel about their last season? First of all, what do they need um, and who they might target and any rumors that we've heard, uh, along with any moves they might have already made? So like Johnny mentioned, we're going to kick it off here with the NL West. Um, obviously, the Dodgers ran the table in the regular season, going off for their 111-win season. Uh, Padres came in second with only 89 wins, though we know how the playoffs turned out. Padres on top. Giants finished in third. Much regression for, or a lot of regression, I should say, for a lot of that team uh, missing the playoffs by a significant margin then you had the Diamondbacks who were somewhat of a solid team in terms of you know a lot of people thought they'd be bottom dwellers but they definitely were not and then Rockies at the very bottom there so yeah it was kind of a balanced division in terms of wins from top to bottom um, obviously Dodgers made it a little top heavy but it wasn't like there was two 100 win teams or anything but yeah, speaking of, let's kind of kick it off here with the Dodgers, the juggernauts who couldn't get over the hump again. What do they need to do to top an 111 win season? Well, the thing is, you can't. Uh, you can't on paper. You, the, the upper limit of what a team should be able to win is really just over 100 games. And beyond that, it's it's got to be luck and it's got to be just the bell bouncing your way. Um so I think the best they can hope for is to run another team out there that they feel just as confident in and hope to just kind of keep those good vibes rolling into October next year because we all know they're going to be there. It's not a question. Even with losing Trey Turner, um, Justin Turner, all the other pieces, Kimbrell, Heaney, Gallo even, although he didn't really do much for them, um, you know, they're still an incredibly dangerous team. And they would probably still be picked to win the division even without those guys. They've already brought back Kershaw, so that's a step in the right direction. Um, but the holes, shortstop is, is obviously the biggest hole with Turner departing a top probably 25 player in the league. Uh, but they have an internal solution. They can just put Gavin Lux over there. Gavin Lux was not starting for them in the infield, uh, or if he was, he was at second base. So they can slide him over play probably Max Muncy at third, Chris Taylor at second, and obviously they got Freddie Freeman at first, and that's a pretty dang good infield. Um, doesn't really compete with their infield of last year, but it's better than a lot of teams. Um, but still, they're, they're definitely expected to pursue a shortstop. We've got, obviously, the big class of four top shortstops. Um, Turner himself, for one thing, although we've said before that we don't really expect him to re-sign Correa would be another option, although there's, of course, interesting Dodgers ties there uh, due to the Astros cheating in 2017. 
Um, and then the other two options are Bogarts of the Red Sox and Dansby Swanson, formerly of the Braves. So I guess my first question, Logan, is do you expect them to play in the deep end of the shortstop market? I do, because they're obviously going to be big players in one of the three categories, an outfielder, a shortstop, or a starting pitcher. And there is a chance they could go after two of those three holes in a big style. They have the money, right? They shedded about $110 million off their payroll. Right. So they have the money to spend. That won't be an issue. Um, we know that they have had talks about Correa. We know that they've had talks with pretty much every significant major shortstop out there, um, or at least internally. Um, late news, we're kind of working around Bogarts. They've also expressed interest in Willie Adames over in Milwaukee. Is he available? Who knows? Yeah, we'll see if the Brewers are willing to trade their franchise guy there. But, you know, they're going to definitely dabble in that shortstop market. And if they don't go that route, I expect them to get judge because if they don't get judge, I just don't see a way that they don't do anything significant on the position player side. We know that they're probably going to get a pretty big guy for their rotation. Uh, right now, they definitely need at least one more arm in there. They have options for sure, but you know, running out of rotation and in the postseason, that would consist of Julio Rios, Clayton Kershaw, Tony Gonsolin, you know, Dustin May, Ryan. P- Pepwa, uh, you know, they can trust maybe Gavin Stone, Bobby Miller to come up this year, but, you know, those are some lesser name prospects at the moment. They need one more guy, and we know they've been connected to Verlander already, so they're going to make a splash. We know that. There's no way a team with this much money doesn't. The question is, where do they go? Uh, in my opinion, I would target that shortstop and uh, starting pitcher while filling my outfield holes with, you know, Kevin Kiermeyer, who they have been connected with, or something along those lines. Because right now in the outfield, running out running out guys like Trace Thompson, James Outman as your center and left fielders, you know, maybe pushing Chris Taylor out there, it's just not good enough. So they're definitely gonna have to find someone to play outfield, at least one of those positions. Yeah, that was actually my impression kind of coming in that the outfield was a bigger question mark than the infield. Um given the Bellinger non-tender. Um, you've got Betts, and you've got Taylor as a as an infield-outfield hybrid, and there's just not really too much depth out there. Um, they also non-tendered Edwin Rios, or maybe DFA, I can't remember, but he's no longer on the roster. He can play some corner outfield. Um, Trace Thompson is still around, but he struggled towards the end of the year doesn't really have a long track record of success so yeah the options are fairly thin out there and that's why i kind of expect him to go after judge currently it looks like the yankees and the giants are fairly even as prohibitive favorites uh, in the judge sweepstakes and we should be hopefully getting a an answer here a team here by the winter meetings that's what everything uh, seems to be pointing to uh, so that'll obviously be interesting. It should should really kick off the free agent market because um, it'll obviously set the top of the market and teams will be able to kind of pursue their secondary options after that once he's off the table. But yeah, as for the Dodgers, I think the outfield is the bigger hole. I think there's not that many great options out there outside of Judge. Obviously, Judge is the best option by far of anywhere. But... I definitely could agree with you with them going after 
a shortstop and plugging the holes in the outfield with with lesser, you know, non-star players. Another kind of wild card on the on the Dodgers roster though is Miguel Vargas, a rookie who they called up uh, late last year, and they really like him internally. Um, they think he really has the makeup to be an impact player, um, a guy who worked really hard in the minor leagues, and and like you know, they said he really wants to learn. He he takes he's like a sponge, you know, takes up information as much as he can, and they are really really high on his potential. He can play both infield, third base, second base, and corner outfield spots. Um, had a few good moments towards the end of the year. Obviously, in his first year, didn't really um, completely lock in, but he, I think, uh, has a lot of potential for them, and that could be a reason why they don't go after a big corner outfielder. Right, and and with him, Muncie and Taylor, and then if you include Lux, that's four guys who can really bounce around the infield. So signing someone to lock down shortstop gives you some real positional flexibility in that infield. Right, which we know they love. Right, and then you sign someone on the lesser end for the outfield, like the Kevin Kiermaier-esque or you know, connecting with Bellinger again if you guys can meet on a right deal. I know that's been rumored as well, so that makes a lot of sense. Um, but I just, with that rotation, they're going to sign an ace. Yeah. I feel very confident in that. So whether it's Verlander, who seems to be maybe the favorite of theirs right now. I know they also like Rodon a lot, which who doesn't? He's probably the most coveted free agent pitcher out there, uh, given price and age. You know, we'll see what the Dodgers end up doing. But they're going to get one of those you know, three guys if you throw DeGrom in there as well. I will also be interested to see... If they're going to dabble in the closing pitcher market, you know, they have a lot of good relievers. We know that, but they never had an identity in the postseason. And that kind of hurt them come series against the Padres. Right now, you know, are you going to say Daniel Hudson, Evan Phillips as your closer? I don't think you give it to Gratterall. We know he has the stuff, but I don't think he really is a closer type. Maybe they go after Kenley. Maybe they go after one of the top guys on the rotation mark or on the, excuse me, on the reliever market. That'll also be interesting to see if they, they go that route. So, yeah, that's an interesting question because it's just not their style to get a closer. They haven't, I mean, they had Kenley for a long time, but it wasn't like they went out and signed him to be their closer. He was an internal guy uh, came up through their system. And even when they had him, he was not their designated closer for, a few years towards the end of his tenure. Obviously, Julio Arias became the de facto closer in the 2020 playoffs when they won it all. Um, and there was definite question marks in 2021 with, with Kenley, with health, health issues and also just performance. Um, and the other thing is there's really not too many closing options available. Kenley is the only guy who really served as a closer last year who's on the free agent market. The only other true high leverage guy is Adam Adovino, I think. There's not really with with Robert Suarez, Edwin Diaz, and um well I guess Montero wasn't really a closer either, but with those three off the board, there are not too many high leverage relievers still out there on the market. So it definitely will be interesting to see what the Dodgers do with their bullpen. It's an interesting spot because you know, in the past years, we've probably said like, oh man, the Dodgers might have a hole in 
the infield or something with Seager as a free agent, but they're set in the outfield and they're set in the rotation and they're set in the bullpen. And now it's like they've got question marks kind of all over the place. And yeah, obviously they have 110 million to spend, but um, it should be a big off season for the Dodgers. Totally, 100% agree. So yeah, let's kind of flip to a team that really also has a lot of money to spend, and they're open about that. The San Francisco Giants. Obviously, kind of a down year, especially when you compare it to their previous season, where they were an over 100-win team to going and missing the playoffs completely. They really showed that two years ago was a fluke. Um, their age showed regression, not only within the team, but you know, within front office and the managerial staff, it just showed. It showed in all aspects of their their roster. And now you look at this roster of a team that is supposed to spend a lot of money, that's in on the judge sweepstakes, there's a lot of holes. And when your top projected play offensive player in war, according to fan graphs, is Thyro Estrada, that that's very telling that you have quite a few holes to fill. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, Tyro Estrada, Tyro Estrada should not be your star player. That's for sure. He's a, he's a good player, good uh, utility infielder, but no, he's not your star. And the Giants have had stars. They've been, obviously, probably the team of the 2010s, winning, winning three titles, and they've always had those guys that just kind of, you know, that you associate with the Giants. It was Pablo Sandoval for a while, obviously Posey, but even like the Brandon Belts over the last few years. Evan Longoria, Belt and Longoria are gone. Rodon is gone. Um, their bullpen is in absolute shambles. They've got pretty much no one there that they actually trust. Um, Rogers, they still have the side armor, uh, Tyler Rogers, but he had, gosh, an ERA over five last year, I think. So it should be another big off season, big off season for the Dodgers, big off season for the Giants as well. Um, yeah, the infield holes at the corners for sure. Estrada's a nice middle infield piece if they want to play him there. You could also play third. The outfield, did they? Do they still have Lamont Wade Jr.? They didn't non tender it, did they? Uh, Lamont Wade Jr. Yeah, no, they still have Lamont Wade Jr. Um, yeah, they do. But is he really going to even start in right field for them? I mean, they still have Luis Gonzalez, who obviously showed some promise last year. Um, it depends. I mean, do, do, I don't trust any of the guys in the outfield. Even Yastrzemski or Jock feel like they're due for, or at least Jock's due for regression, and Yastrzemski doesn't really seem like all that much anymore. Right. Yeah, I mean, so for those who don't know, Jock Peterson accepted the qualifying offer from the Giants, meaning he's going to receive uh, about a $19 million salary for uh, the upcoming season. That was an interesting move by itself. I guess I kind of understand it because they just have such little position player depth. But I don't know if I really believe in the player that much. Um he had a great year, no denying it, but kind of a one-dimensional player, and $19 million is a lot to give to a guy who is a one-dimensional player who's going to hit you home runs and not do much else. And, you know, if he kind of falls into a funk, then 
you're you're really on the hook. Um, Yastrzemski, you know, we saw the ceiling in 2019. He was a top five-ish uh, MVP candidate, or in 2020, I guess, in the short season. But the last two years, he's kind of fallen off a cliff. Um, the average is way down from his peak. He doesn't seem to have the slug really either. He's, uh, I don't know, it could be injuries, could be anything, but, um, you know, at least he's kind of cheap. He's in his arbitration years still, 5.7 million, so you're not really um, sweating that decision as much as you are with, with Peterson. But, yeah, that I don't know, man. The, the Giants are... They've got a lot to fill. 100% do. And I think a positive for them is not only do they have some decent payroll flexibility this year, about $70 million to spend would get them to their club record at $200 million. You look at 2024, they have a lot coming off the books. And by a lot, I mean a lot. You look at Jock Peterson's $19.5 million has gone. Brandon Crawford, $16 million. Alex Wood, twelve and a half. There's a club option on Alex Cobb for 10, and you also have Tommy Lastella's 11.5 coming off the books. So you have quite a bit coming off the books, and that doesn't even include a couple of relievers who are making uh, sub $4 million. So you know that, that adds up, but point being, they can spend money now, and they know that they're going to have the money in the long run to you know sign a bunch of guys here. The question is, what is the smart way to do it? You know, they're obviously... In this judge sweepstakes, that is pretty well known. It sounds like it's coming down to them and the Yankees, and there's about one more week, according to some sources out there, that say judge will know by the end of the week where he's going. Obviously, that fills massive holes. They need star powers, but I think an even bigger, uh, a bigger goal the Giants need to set out to do is just get younger. They have such a, a middle age to old age team right now, especially on the field position player wise, that you're not looking at too many guys who are going to, oh, let's have a couple guys start to have breakout years all of a sudden. That already happened two years ago. They're beyond that. They need to figure out a lot of not just depth because these players are good depth pieces, but this is not a lineup that you can run out on a daily basis. We know they've been connected to guys of Michael Conforto, Mitch Hanniger types as well, which could also be a smarter route to go because that'll cost obviously significantly less than Judge, and you'll be able to fill more holes. Wonder if they go after one of the big shortstops. Um, you know, in our pre- free agent prediction video, I said they should go get Correa, um, and I still stand by that. I fill that shortstop hole. That should be the most important position on the field. So we'll see what they end up doing, but they have so many holes to fill. Yeah, and. I don't know. I don't really see them going after the shortstop because they're kind of hamstrung with Crawford there. Um, I mean, I say hamstrung. He's not a terrible player. Uh, he had a great year in, in 2021, but who didn't on the Giants? Um, yeah, I really see them kind of focusing elsewhere because they know they at least have someone who's not going to be a complete negative there. Um, but basically, going back to what I was saying at the beginning – they need that guy, that guy that's going to be the face of the franchise. And that's why I really think they're going to step up and go after Judge. And I know I said he was going back to the Yankees in the free agent preview, but honestly, it seems like a almost as much of a must-get for the Giants as a must-not-lose for the Yankees in terms of Judge. And if, they, if the Giants don't get him, they're still going to be searching for that 
it factor. I, and I don't, I know this isn't really like real baseball analysis, but I don't think they're going to be so relevant in a division that already has two really good teams in the Dodgers and the Padres and two teams with huge star power. I just don't think they're going to be that relevant if they don't have somebody on that, you know, Machado, Betts, Tatis level. And that's what Judge would bring them. Immediately, there would be huge interest in the Giants. And you would even attract more free agents and guys that want to play for the Giants. Now they're going to be relevant again. So, I don't know. That's my thoughts on that. They're also, in the other direction, their rotation is not great. They've got Logan Webb, great in-house piece. Uh, he'll be cheap for another couple years. Um broke out last year and actually sustained that breakout into this year. So that's uh, one positive for them. But beyond that, it's uh, mostly question marks. Yeah. And so that'll be interesting to see if they go after Rodon. Um, You know, they're going to have that inside track already because he was there. If they miss out on judge, maybe they spend big on the rotation. Never a bad idea. You know, they have Alex Cobb, like I mentioned earlier. Um, they're also going to run out Alex Wood, Anthony Desclafani. But after that, you're not looking at too many guys you're confident in. So they definitely need to at least sign one, maybe two more guys there. Yeah, and even with that group, I mean, you've got Desclafani was out for most of the year last year. Cobb missed several starts. I think he had two or three stints on the injured list. And Wood had an ERA to round five, I think. So, yeah, they're established major leaguers, but... They're not quality options for sure. And the last thing that we definitely need to mention with that bullpen, I know you talked about it, but the Giants have already been tied to Kenley. Now, that would obviously be a big addition for a team that seems to be kind of far away. You know, after kind of talking this through, they seem really far away to compete. So why go after a closer when you have a guy like Camilo Duvall, who clearly has been in that for the last year and a half and they trust him? Well internally they don't see him as a closer they still see him as an eighth inning guy so in their minds going after a kenley type is what they i don't know if prioritize is the right word but they're looking to do something like that this offseason for their bullpen so that's just something to keep an eye out for um like we said the bullpen not very good so any sort of addition there uh would not be a a bad thing for sure absolutely all right let's move on to the fourth place team somewhat surprisingly the Arizona Diamondbacks had a fairly solid year. Uh, they kind of created at the end, but they were hanging around 500 um, up until probably August and maybe into early September. So they're the polar opposite of the Giants. They are one of the youngest teams in the major leagues, and their holes are not so much holes as as question marks, as in this player had a nice rookie season last year and we don't know if he can follow it up or we have a good prospect that we can put here, but we don't know if they're going to hit the ground running. That's the kind of holes that they're looking at, whereas with the Giants, it was just kind of, we don't really have anybody. Or if we do, it's somebody that uh, just hasn't really had good success in the last few years. So in terms of spending you want to tell me about their payroll Logan yeah so they're under a hundred million obviously we know they 
they definitely are a team that can spend in the 150 range for sure. They've shown that in the past. So they're not scared to spend. And we've seen that in some of the guys they've been rumored to go after. Uh, their payroll for next year is actually already more than that of 2022 by a couple million, nothing crazy. But they've been rumored to go after Bogarts. So they're clearly willing to spend. Now, the question is, how much? They're obviously still very, very far away from competing. They would like to sign a piece, if they're going to make a big financial commitment, that is going to last them six, seven years into a window in which they feel like they can can compete. So you're not going to probably see too many short-term high AAV deals. However, dabbling in that shortstop market doesn't seem crazy to me. The crazy part about it is... Do they really want to pay ten and a half million? And granted, it's his final year, but ten and a half million to Nick Ahmed, who is clearly their worst uh, position player right now, to be a utility guy because he's not going to play second. He's definitely not going to play first. Maybe you slide him over to third base over Josh Rojas, but even then, I think Rojas is probably a better player, not by a lot, but I think he probably is. So. That's a big question mark. Yeah, it is, but I don't know. I don't think that would really stop them if they're going to be set on on acquiring a shortstop. It's his last year, as you said, and it's ten and a half million, which hurts. But the fact that it's coming off the books as soon as next year, um, and this isn't like a Brandon Crawford situation. Nick Ahmed is is a negative value. He has been for the last few years. Um, Unfortunately, uh, his injuries, I think it's his knee, just has never really been the same after uh, an injury in 2020, I think, or 2019 even. He's had multiple surgeries, um, just hasn't really been able to get back to form. And so that's that's a situation where you want to be aggressive there. You want to fill that void. Internally, the only other real option they have is Geraldo Perdomo, who they ran out there. Last year, um, did not have good success, hit under 200 in his rookie year. Obviously, you know, super young guy, has potential. But that's a place where I could really see the, the Diamondbacks getting aggressive. And I actually really like the Bogarts fit because the reports that we've seen on Bogarts is that in terms of the Red Sox and negotiations with them, the sticking point has not been the AAV, it's been the years. That's the point where they're really not on the same page. And as you said, the Diamondbacks are looking at a long-term window here. So I feel like they could be the team that adds on an extra year to convince Bogarts or one of the other shortstops, but Bogarts especially, to to join their team. And somebody even mentioned the Dansby Swanson fit. Of course, they drafted him. Um first overall was it first overall? yeah it was first overall um so that would be a nice homecoming for him i don't know it depends on what ownership thinks how much they're willing to spend whether they are confident enough in their other internal options to really allocate a lot of money to one spot on the field um but i don't think it's out of the question at all and another thing to keep in mind is uh we just learned this the other day that Major League Baseball has sold its 15% stake in BAMTech, which is a media company, uh, to Disney. 
And that was an influx of $900 million to the club. So that's $30 million a piece if you're keeping track at home. Whether that actually will go to payroll or not remains to be seen. But uh, it's uh, kind of puts a dent in the crying poor excuse this offseason. No, it totally does. So like you said, the Diamondbacks are good fits for those big-name shortstops. I think a big question that they are having to answer internally is, do we do that this year, or do we go after someone next year to fill our holes? If you're a Diamondbacks fan, I think the thing you're most excited about is your outfield core. Absolutely. I love the young outfield core. Not only are they young, but they're super controllable, and it's a big crew of guys who you anticipate at least, I mean, two if not three of these guys panning out. Right now you're looking at an outfield that probably looks something like this. Corbin Carroll, left field. Love this kid. Dalton Varsho, if you don't know enough about him, go watch some highlight videos. The guy is a freak athlete. He's going to be their center fielder. And then you have Jake McCarthy in right field. Don't forget, they also went out and got Kyle Lewis. Now, he might be kind of DHing, playing some outfield. But as of two years ago, he was rookie of the year. Yep. He's dealt with some injuries. And you know the Mariners kind of have a similar outfield situation with a lot of young talent. And he kind of got lost in there. But there's clear potential there. And one of the biggest things they had to address was getting some pop from the right-handed side. They were really only experiencing that from Christian Walker this year. Um, but, you know, Carson Kelly, who, granted, he's a good catcher, but he's not going to provide a lot of slug. Obviously, you have Marte, but, you know, they lack that. So that was a good get from them as well. They're so deep in that outfield, and it's very much a situation where if the ownership is convinced that that outfield is set for the next six years with this core guys. Mm -hmm. And obviously you have Cattell Marte, who you anticipate will bounce back. There's a lot to like about Christian Walker. They have very few holes then offensively. And you look at the rotation, which we have not even talked about yet. It is not terrible for a team that isn't considered good by any means. Merrill Kelly, Zach Gallen, who is Probably a top 10 pitcher in baseball, especially when healthy. Madison Bumgarner, obviously a massive overpay, but he provided some value last year. Granted, not a ton, but he's useful. Then they got some young arms coming up in the system. Ryan Nelson, Dre Jamison, Brandon Pifat, um, even Tommy Henry could see a little action this year. I really like the Diamondbacks' future. So I think the question is this. Is this the year like the Padres did with Eric Hosmer and Machado at the time, is this the year where they go and spend the money? I could totally see it. And I, to be frank, I think they should. I think this should be the year. I think there's no point in waiting around while your your other guys get less controllable and more expensive. I think you got to go for it. And yeah, the Dodgers and the Padres are up there. And yeah, the Giants will probably sign somebody big. But, you know, there's an extra playoff spot for a reason. You have a chance now, for sure. A lot more than you did a year ago when there was only two wildcard spots. Um, so, yeah, as you said, their, their offense is surprisingly good. We already talked about the outfield. First base, Christian Walker, very solid. Second base, Ketel Marte, very, very good. All-star caliber player. Third base, Josh Rojas, solid player, fine. Shortstop's a big question mark. With Nick Ahmed, they fill that. They're really set. Um, cause at catcher, they also have, uh, Carson Kelly who had a bad year last year, but 
has shown serious potential before. Um, probably a mid-tier catcher across Major League Baseball, and that's fine. Um, so, yeah, I think if they get a shortstop, and, you know, it doesn't have to be a Swanson or a Bogarts, but I think it really could be. If they get a shortstop and they get an experienced guy, number three, to fit in that rotation, push Bumgarner kind of down a peg, I really like their chances, actually. I think they will be an over 500 team. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I think in it, in their current forms, I would take the Diamondbacks over the Giants right now. 100%. And that's actually reflected, too, in Fangraph's uh, war projection totals. Granted, this isn't like who they predict's a better team. But right now, the Diamondbacks' core of players is predicted to have more war this season, this upcoming season, than that of the Giants. And I feel like that's a... A pretty apparent thing when you look at these two rosters. So, totally. Let's talk about the Rockies. The There's Rockies. Maybe not a lot to talk about because who knows what they're <laughs> going to do. They've shown that they do nothing, but then they do something, and the something is usually stupid and then doesn't work out. Um, we don't really need to get into that, but let's. I don't really know if they have like a a plan. Like that's the thing. Like you can see the plan with the Diamondbacks. You can see maybe what the Giants want to do once all their old guys get out of there. I don't know what the the Rockies are trying to do. It feels like they're just trying to stay above 75 wins. Right. And if they get 76, 77, they're happy. <laughs> Cuz they they're really weird. They're really weird. No, they totally are. And their decisions this offseason already have been weird again um right here on the uh mlb trade rumors list of arbitration eligible players they listed denelson lamette garrett hampson ty block and peter lambert as non-tender candidates um they did non-tender hampson i think if i'm correct but they gave denelson lamette five million correct yes to be a i don't know maybe they want him to be a starter but he hasn't started in three years, um, and he did not. He hasn't pitched well in three years either. So I don't know. Uh, former Padre, he was electric in twenty twenty, got hurt, has never been the same. Probably should have had Tommy John surgery, um, but has tried to rehab his way through it. Hasn't really found anything. So I don't know where they think those five million are going to go. Um, hopefully he can bounce back, but it just doesn't really seem like a, a surefire investment. And then on the other hand, they have free agent Carlos Estevez, reliever, who has been much more solid over the last few years. Haven't really shown any interest in him. Um, and on the flip side, there has been a lot of widespread interest from other teams in Estevez. We've heard that rumor recently. Uh, so that would be a fairly big loss for their bullpen. They do have Daniel Bard, who they signed to an extension. So he'll be there through 2024. He had a great year, obviously, last year. But, I mean, there's questions all across the position player front. The rotation is not great. Kyle Freeland has taken multiple steps backwards since 2019 when he looked like a breakout ace. Um, Senzatella is decent. Uh, just really not much there and obviously Bryant we haven't even mentioned Bryant yeah he's he's Chris Bryant but 
what did he play? Like 40 games last year? If that even. And, you know, what does he even project to be? Because we don't even know, like, if he's going to be healthy to start the season. He may not be. And even if he is, you know, <laughs> it's just such a weird signing at the time, and he doesn't even fit the roster that well. Like, obviously, most teams would love to have KB, but at the same like, where does he fit in this roster? Where does he fit in the plan? The, the answer is he doesn't. And they continue to make decisions like this left and right. You know, like you're talking about the rotation, and they re-signed Jose Urania, which pretty much says to me that they're okay with running out um, Marquez, Freeland, Sensatella, Urania, and then a mixture of Ryan Feltner, Austin Gomer, Peter Lambert for that fifth spot. So if that's your comfortability level with your rotation, then you have to make something happen offensively, but their payroll is going up $20 million next year from last year. So how much money do they have to spend? We don't know the limits because, again, weird ownership levels there. Obviously, Charlie Blackman's going to come off the books next year, so will Randall Gritchick. But then they also are going to have to worry about C.J. Crone. I mean, he's a free agent next year too. So what is the plan? I think the biggest thing that we've seen in the rumor world is that they're connected to a lot of center fielders. They've shown interest in Nimmo. They've shown interest in Bellinger. So that tells mm-hmm. me they want a center fielder. And I understand because the infield for the most part, I think, is somewhat set. Of You know, you got Crone, Rogers, uh, Ezekiel Tovar, who I think they're pretty high on, and I'm, I'm okay with that. And then you got Ryan McMahon over at third. You're going to push KB, Connor Joe in left. Center field's Jonathan Daza. That's not good. So they're clearly wanting to upgrade there. And then right field, you're going to run out Grishik and Charlie Blackman. Um, that's just too much money tied up there to go after someone else. So if they're going to go after someone, clearly probably center field's the way to go. I don't know if signing Brandon Nimmo does much for them. I don't know. I would if I'm going after a guy like Bellinger, Reclamation Project makes a lot of sense for them. Because again, mm-hmm. does Nimmo even make the playoffs if he's there for five or six years? I don't think so. I don't even see a six year window for this team. No. Well, it's just like it's such a I don't know, it's just not as you said before, you can't really see the plan. You know, with the, the, the Diamondbacks, you can kind of see the rise over time. Um, it's This is just kind of a treading water sort of feel. Um, and I don't know. I mean, you said <laughs> Brendan Rodgers at second. I don't know if that's really a great option. Um, McMahon has shown potential. Tovar is a raw rookie. Yeah, so... And we haven't even gotten into the pitching because we know the offense will never be completely terrible because it's course field. The pitching will always be terrible because it's course field. And I mean, yeah, the bullpen, they've got barred and not really much else. The bullpen is never going to be good. Um, Bard and Colome are at least veterans. And I mean, Bard at least has, has pitched well there in the past, but just no depth really. The starters, um, Marquez is really the only guy who I would I would actually feel confident in. To kind of end on but, a positive note here, yeah, just, for the Rockies, not much they don't want to let something completely negative 24-7. Um, 
they did make a trade that I liked, and that was acquiring Nolan Jones from the Guardians. Granted, he may not have a big impact this year. That was a pretty good deal. Um, Jones was seemingly blocked over there in, in the Guardians' land, apparently. But obviously a pretty top prospect. He's been on a hun- top 100 prospect list each of the last three seasons. Um, at, at some point, you know, he played AAA last year. Put up a pretty good slash line. Uh, didn't slug a lot. Only had nine home runs, but he still hit 276 with a 368 on base. Slugged at a 460 clip. He's going to be on this roster at some point this year, so it'll be interesting to see how he plays. And the power should definitely play at cores. Right. And there's clearly something to like with Nolan Jones, so we'll see if he plays an impact. So Rockies fans, at least you got that going for you. And maybe some excitement if you get Nimmo. But other than that, hopefully your owner sells the team, which won't happen. So Another 75-win yeah. team. So that'll about do it for this episode, kind of covering the National League West. Should be a pretty fun division, as always. You have the Dodgers and Giants, big spenders. Padres being in that realm of things now always makes it fun. Diamondbacks, young and exciting. And the Rockies, existing. So... They've got Coors Field. Yeah, that makes for at least 10 games this year. That'll be insane. But yeah, with, without anything else to talk about here, we will catch you on the flip side. Yeah, stay tuned for uh, NL Central next. <laughs>